Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Paul was the same one who suffered greatly 
in all of his missionary journeys after that moment. Scripture tells us several things. Paul Bose, he, he, he mentions that he has received, they called it the 40 lashes minus one or 39 lashes with a whip, times that he was beaten where the government brought him in and beat him with 39 whips uh, on five different occasions. He was beaten with rods on three different occasions. He was stoned to the verge of death where they carried him out of the city and actually thought he was dead was how bad he was beaten and stoned. And then he was on three different ships that were shipwrecked. There's a point where I'm like, you don't get on a ship again if, like, <laughs> the first one happens. You know what I mean? Like, if I, if I survive a plane crash, I'm never getting on a plane again, let alone two more times. But some of those were while he was a prisoner. And so three times he was shipwrecked and stranded. And that's not even counting the spiritual, the emotional, and the mental toll that he took on while trying to bring light to a world that so desperately wanted to stay dark. And then Paul was taken to, taken before the king as a prisoner to plead his case and told him about Jesus, and was taken before Caesar to plead his case, told him about Jesus, and then he was executed in Rome, ending his time, his journey following and pursuing Christ as one of the first martyrs for Jesus. Now, the thing that I can guarantee you about Paul's story is that he had a different story in mind. I, I don't see any reality where Saul expected to live the life that Paul actually lived. And so Saul and Paul, the same person, different name, came to this, this crossroads where his story was changing. It had changed in a remarkable way. And Paul began to see what God was doing on a larger scale. But it changed nonetheless. And I would venture to say that that guarantee stretches to you as well and your story. I know it does for me. It applies very much for me. And let me ask you, did your life go the way you planned it from day one? Maybe even, let's say, five years ago, before the pandemic and COVID-19, has your life turned out the way you thought it would even five years ago? And the truth is, most likely not. Because the story changes. We have things that happen in our lives that we don't expect. They catch us off guard. They catch us. And sometimes the change is not seen Maybe sometimes the difficulty in the story changing is when we've planned something and instead we stay stuck where we're at for so long. Isn't that a different story than you would write as well? It doesn't necessarily have to change, but maybe you expected it to change and it didn't. But we're faced in life with so many of these situations, so many of us, each, every single one of us have, have our story changed at some point, have the rug pulled out from under us, and today I want to take a look at three thoughts, three truths for when your story changes to help us ground ourselves as we look at this life of Paul, to help us ground ourselves when that time comes. The first one, it'll pop up right there on the screen. You can't change what you can't change, but God can. You can't change what you can't change, but God when I was younger, uh, my mom, uh, who if you're watching, hey mom, uh, got me a, a tiny little, uh, it was like a tin canister, and on it she put the serenity prayer, if you know it, 
and, and it was just a uh, pieces of paper inside. And she said, this is the box, and I want you to write whatever you can't change on it. When you encounter something that you just cannot change, write on it a piece of paper, put it in a box, give it to God, because you just can't change it. And sometimes, if you're anything like me and my other 8 billion human friends, you like to have control of your life, because it's your life, right? You want it to go the way you want it to go. But there are things that we just cannot change, and it simply drives us crazy, as with Paul. See, how did Paul go from this this Pharisee, this controlling Pharisee, to a man that was so open-handed with his story that he even allowed it to lead him to his death? Literally. See, the end of the book of Acts, it, it shows Paul in his last days. And as he's visiting with some of these churches, he's saying goodbye because he knows he's going to Rome. He's been prophesied over and heals in the spirit that he's going to Rome to end his life and die there. And he still chooses to press forward with that mission, pressing forward, knowing that God has called him there and that he had something more on the other side of this life. How does he go from a man that's so controlling to so open-handed? And I think the key component of his life was submission. I think submission is a word that would, would describe how Paul has gotten to where he is. See, at the end of his conversion, he realized he had it wrong about this Jesus character. He realized that although he thought he was doing the right thing, he was off. Jesus was life and was the answer. And he submitted to that, and his whole story changed. See, Paul didn't have to go and, and convince others. He didn't have this need to make others understand. He just believed in that moment. And he submitted to this new information, and his life changed. And you see, it's a very hard thing to submit, especially today in a world that teaches us not to submit, right? Fight for you. Uh, there, there's so much going for you. Have to look out for number one. You have to, and, and the truth is that may work in many areas of life, but when it comes to our spiritual walk and as we draw closer to Jesus, the word submission is key. And that's because we are trusting the God who sits above our lives, outside of time and space, outside of what we know and can understand. And as we follow Jesus, he's guiding our lives. And so submitting to him allows him to guide us in the best possible way that we can. And you see, we can't follow us and Jesus. I don't know how many of you try that, but I try it at least some point during the day, every single day. I, I can't follow Jesus and Bobby. It doesn't work like that. And so my life is spent trying to get better at following Jesus, submitting him to him and trusting him with my life and my story change. See, and this might be one of the hardest truths to accept, to submit, to release control, because there are so many things that we cannot change. How about other people? We can't change as much as you want to think you can. You cannot change other people. And if you've tried even once, you know how true it is. But the good news is, is that you have the ear of God, and God can change people. God can change hearts. God can change lives. 
So if there's somebody in your life that you care about and you're realizing and frustrated that you just cannot change them, pray for them. Pray for them. Release, submit, just just submit to this, what this is in this current situation. Release control of trying to fix that person or help that person or get that person to church and just pray for them. Every bit of energy that you put towards getting them to church or making them hear this thing you've got to say, just stop and pray for them. Because you can't change people. You can't change the past. I don't know about you, but living without regret is a difficult thing for me sometimes, right? We, we look back, we see missed opportunities, we see mistakes we've made, and we regret. But the truth is, Paul gives us some really good insight to this uh, in the book of Philippians, which is actually a letter he wrote while he was in prison for the last time, right before he was led off to be executed. And he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, this life that I want to live, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for God, or the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. See, Paul says, I'm going to forget what is behind, because I recognize that even a word I spoke 30 seconds ago, I can't do anything about. That world doesn't live, exist anymore. The world of the regrets and the mistakes and the sin and the things you wish you could have changed about your past, the things that keep coming back to your mind time and time and time again, that world doesn't exist anymore. That's not reality anymore. And so we cannot change the past, but Paul tells us, sink into the present. Sink into this moment. Forget what's past and begin climbing towards what's ahead because you can't change your past, but you can change your future. God can change your future. See, sometimes we think and get stuck in this thinking, well, that's the way it's always been, and so that's the only way that it's going to be. I can't say I know for sure how it will turn out, but I know that that's not true because I know that God has more power than me to affect the things that we can't change. We can't change our, we can't change our sinful nature. Uh, that's something that we can't change. We can work through with God our sin and our mistakes and failures and ask him to change us, but we cannot get rid of this nature that we were born with, this sinful nature because we were born into it. In Romans 7, Scripture tells us Paul is actually talking about his own sin. And he says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. See, I don't know, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody relate to that? I'm like, yeah, me too, Paul. Verse 20. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living inside of me. Now don't hear this and hear Paul shucking off his responsibility of like, ah, I don't have to deal. But what he is saying is he's acknowledging this reality that if in my mind I want to obey Jesus, I want to live a life that's good and wholesome and full of love, but then I go do things that don't, I have to draw this conclusion that there's something else egging me and pushing me to that other side, and that's his sinful nature. And the truth is, it's the same for all of us. That is mankind's curse, is a sinful nature. But again, when we come to God, when we come to Jesus Christ, 
goodness and the truth that tells us that we no longer have to be bound and chained by this sinful nature, but that we can find freedom from it. In a way that we could not do ourselves, God provides that freedom. So we see times and things that we cannot change about our lives, but God can. And our sinful nature, that although that may sound like a downer, if you're somebody who has problems admitting that they're weak and that they don't have they have sin in their life, right? That's a problem and a challenge because you don't want to admit it. But there is good news when it comes to it. And that brings us to our second point that our weakness is part of God's story, like it or not. That like it or not was for me. I'm not judging you. That's, I was like, I needed to put that in there for me. Our weakness is part of God's story. I want to say something that maybe you know, but I want you to hear it on a different level if you're a follower of Jesus. Your story with God using you doesn't start with get rid of the sin in your That's not how that works. Your story of God using you starts when you start giving God your sin. When you start acknowledging it before him. When you begin laying it out and learning in this relationship the trust that would allow you to be vulnerable before a God who sees anything and everything anyway. But to learn to be trustworthy. To come before him in your times and say, God, here I am. I'm broken. I, I cannot do this. God, this sin, it's stuck. I, I don't, I, there's nothing I can do. See, that's the moment of weakness, that moment of weakness that we begin to grow with Christ. We begin to grow because we realize that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. See, we don't often boast in our weaknesses, but that's actually something Paul tells us to do. He, Paul, as we'll see in a minute, encourages us to not only just acknowledge our weakness, but to bring it to him, to, in a way that he says, to boast in those weaknesses. I don't know about you. I don't boast in my weaknesses. I've never gone into a job interview like, hey, I'm, I'm a pretty hard worker, but I'm also really good at procrastinating and I have no time management skills, so I deserve this job. Right, or you probably never went into a date like, yeah, what's up, girl? Yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fun. I like to hang out, but man, I'm insecure, and I know how to stir up a mean midlife crisis, right? Nobody boasts in these things that they're struggling with. But in Christ, God wants us to. See, he wants you to know that you won't feel shameful bringing, he wants you to know that you don't have to feel shameful bringing your sin weakness to him. See, our salvation is an invitation to get healed, not an invitation to get clean and then come to Jesus. See, our sin and our our struggles and our weakness are something that often at the core we can't change. And that's part of why Jesus came. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary or weak and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is light. That's the antithesis, the opposite 
of what we often carry on our shoulders when it comes to our faith. We try and hide it. We try and put it off to the side. We try and ignore it. We try and pretend it's just not there. We build workarounds and, and use substances to help balance it. And there are weaknesses we have that God wants us to acknowledge to him and say, Jesus, you are the one who can do something about this. Paul describing some of these weaknesses. And Paul, I would venture to say, is a man of very few weaknesses. He goes on to describe it and says, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul literally encourages us to boast about these weaknesses because Jesus tells us that his grace is enough for them. See, the reason we are so insecure about laying our weaknesses and our sin before God is because if you follow that subconscious thought, it's telling you, fix that, God is holy and perfect. You should be better here so God could use you more. You should be more loving over here so these people can know Jesus more. And the truth is, God wants us to bring those to him instead of feeling this pressure that we have to fix it. Jesus says, my yoke, my, my way of living, my path is so much lighter and easier than that. There's no condemnation for your weakness and your sin. Especially if it's something in your life that you can't share with God. Maybe it's just something in your heart, in your life that you just struggle bringing somebody into. You don't want anybody to know, but God is a safe space for you. Because he says there's no condemnation. He says there's no judgment. He gives us the opportunity and the floor to get right with him, not by fixing ourselves, but by admitting the things that we can't fix. And there's grace upon grace upon grace. That's good, good news. So instead of beating yourself up over your weaknesses or spending all of your energy and your attention trying to fix them, I would encourage you instead to embrace the reality doesn't ask you to do either of those things. I would ask you to embrace the reality that God doesn't want you to hide your sin and weakness. He doesn't want you to go and try and fix it all on your own. He wants you to boast in them. He wants you to begin being comfortable with your weakness with him because it's in that weakness that we see the strength of God come through in a powerful way. I have a good friend that once described it like this, that God is a gentleman at a dance He's not going to grab you by the arm and pull you onto the floor. But he's going to ask. Stand up. He'll dance with you. He'll work with you. He'll get into this, this sin, this struggle, this, this heartache that you're dealing with. But you're the one that has to step up. You have to step into that moment and accept and begin to receive that love and that love and honor from God. He's not going to force it on you. He's not that type of God. So God can be 
things that we do. Lastly, following Jesus means we know the story is good and it ends well. We know the story is good and it ends well. See, our walk of believers is so up and down if you stop and think about it. One moment, we're following Jesus. The next moment, we're running from him. One moment, we, we, we see what God does and we're full of faith in his power. And then the next, we're not understanding what he's doing and we're like, is there a God? What is, he do- what is going on? And my whole life is falling apart. And we're so up and down when it comes to our faith sometimes. And like a dramatic movie, our lives are just as unpredictable. But what God wants us to do when we begin to follow Jesus is to begin to hand him the reins of our lives. Think Carrie Underwood, Jesus take the wheel, right? If you've ever heard the song, like letting go of control of our lives. He wants us to begin to do that. And what he does with that is he begins to rescue us from the sin that entangles us. And that sin is tied to the things that drag us down in this life that lead us far away from God. See, yes, he is guiding the direction of your life, but he's also guiding the quality of your life. And he wants you to come to him so he can improve the quality of your life. And you see, that process is good. It's a good process to be worked on by God, for God to begin to work on your soul and work in your mind and work in your heart work in your relationships. That is a good, good process. It's a process that doesn't go as fast as we often hope it would. And it's also a process that we don't understand because God's ways are so much higher and so much wiser than ours. But when we submit, we're submitting to that as well. We're submitting to this idea and this story that, God, I don't understand your ways, but I trust enough in who you are. I trust enough in your love to step into this moment and allow my life to be guided by you. Because I believe that whatever you're doing, even if I can't see it, what you're doing is good and it's loving and it's for me. That's faith. Faith is stepping into that saying, I can't see what's going on, but I trust the one that's guiding me. There's a reason we follow Jesus and it's because he goes ahead and because he can see the is following Jesus. And that process, again, is difficult, and sometimes it doesn't go the way we plan, but we have the hope of how it turns out. See, Paul also in his letter, uh, in, in his letter to the church at Philippi in Philippians 1.6, he says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. What he's saying here is God will not give up on you. God will not give up on you. No matter where you are, no matter where you feel your life has been, I don't care if you just walked in here for the first time and your story is full of so much negativity and sin and things that you've done that you are so ashamed of that you wouldn't speak it to a soul in this room. One, God already knows. you exactly as you are today so that he can begin directing your story 
direction that's going to guide you to good, that's going to guide you to healing, that's going to guide you to love. And so as we begin to allow him to do that and trust our lives into his hands, we begin to see that fruit. It's our faith that begins to strengthen us. We see God work time and time again. Well, God didn't give up on me there, so maybe he won't give up on me now. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. God didn't give up on you there, and he won't give up on you now. And then when he comes through in this situation, you're going to be more equipped in the future to look back and say, God didn't give up on me then, so now I know he won't give up on me. And the next time, I'm not even worried about it. (laughs) I've seen God come through so much. Yeah, this is stressing me out, but I know the direction. I know who's guiding me. I know how the story ends. And it ends good. It ends good. Yeah, we touched on salvation. The, The end goal, the after this life, that we have eternity with God through Jesus Christ. The story ends well for us all. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. This word that you've brought each and every one of us is the encouragement that I've received from you this week. Would we continue to trust you and remember, God, that you are a good, loving, faithful God. That when we place our lives into your hands, when we we begin to trust you with the things in our lives that we can't control, and when that story changes into the things that we can't understand or, or have foreseen to happen, we trust you strengthen our hearts today. I pray you'd strengthen our minds. God, I pray that you would give us the clarity of faith to believe in you in those moments. God, I pray if there's anybody in here today who has not taken the step to lay their sin before you, to lay their weakness before you, that you would open their minds to see it, to acknowledge it, to trust that it's you that's poking at their heart and not condemnation and shame and fear. And I pray that today they would open that that door that's staying locked and give it to you. God, I pray they would open their heart, that part that they've tried to hide from you for so long, and they would give it to you. I pray that their lives would begin to see the living water that you provide come through and sustain their soul.